0: Welcome back to the episode of Top Con podcast. It's me. We're going to talk about that viral tweet I had because everyone seems to be interested in it. God, I hate the word viral. All right, here we go. So uh, last week, an app came out. Actually, this app's been out for a while. Uh, It's called FaceApp, and what it does is it uses AI, artificial intelligence, to either make you old or young. It can make you switch genders or change genders, sorry. Uh, It can add a beard if you want, like someone like myself who can't seem to grow a beard because God hates me. Um, One day I'll get over that, but that'll only be when I grow a beard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this face app came out and it, it just for some reason, I think it had got an update and it had a bit of a resurgence because I feel like a few years ago everyone was doing this face app thing. Uh, anyways, they updated it and the algorithm, I guess, got better. And so they looked super realistic when you made people old. And I was playing with it like while I was pooping, like I normally do when I play with apps. And uh, I was just doing like photos of me and my friends and whatnot. And then later on in the afternoon, I was on Twitter. And I, I, can't, I wish I could reverse engineer how the idea came into my head, but I was just kind of on Twitter and I was like, oh, you know, it'd be funny if I made all like prominent YouTubers old with this app. And I, I didn't I honestly didn't put any more thought into it than that. Uh, I guess the only thing that maybe I put thought into is like what photos would I use? And I thought it would be funnier if it actually just looked like from their videos. Like I wasn't just going to use their profile pictures. So I spent the time and like screenshotted pics and so I used Sarah Dietschie, uh, Marquez Brownlee, a.k.a. MKBHD, Peter McKinnon, and the one and only Casey Neistat. And then I just put the age filter on them, threw it on Twitter, and then everything kind of went crazy. <laughs> uh, so I tagged them in the tweet, like I tagged Sarah and and Peter and all them uh, in the tweet, and I was just like, hashtag YouTube in 50 years And literally, this is probably the one tweet I've done in the last while that it truly went viral as much as I can't stand the word viral. Um, I'm going to pull up the stats stats on this thing here real quick so we just have some context. Uh, So 1.7 million impressions. Over half a million engagements, so five hundred fourteen thousand engagements. It's crazy. Like as I'm even still looking at the back end on Twitter, like looking at the engagement, I can see the numbers going up like in real time. Like they're still going. Um, There's like five hundred thousand media engagements, so people clicking on the actual photos and whatnot. Twenty thousand likes. Um, And here's the here's the craziest thing. I think a lot of people that like. I think you assume like when you go viral, and like this is this is probably my biggest tweet, but it's not the only tweet I've done that's gotten like big engagement. Um, This is probably just one of the bigger ones. And the one thing I've always learned from Twitter and going viral on Twitter, it's not like going viral on YouTube, or or it's more like going viral on Reddit in the sense that nothing really changes afterwards. Um, You can still be somewhat of a nobody. It's not like you just become the next. Jake Paul because you had a tweet go viral it just doesn't really work that way on Twitter much like it doesn't work that way on Reddit like I have 60,000 link karma on Reddit and it makes no difference to my experience on Reddit and it makes no difference to my experience in life to be honest with you and but what I'm getting at is like all of these impressions and all this engagement and all this stuff only four people followed directly from the tweet. I did gain at least like 200 followers in total from this whole experience, but that was just from people clicking around, looking at stuff and whatnot. People that actually followed just from looking at that tweet, even though it got 1.7 million eyeballs on it, only four of those people were like, oh yeah, maybe I should follow this guy. That's It's worth it. It was only the people that like explored my profile and like, oh yeah, maybe he does do some stuff that I enjoy. Um, I'm going to follow. It's not like this one viral tweet's just going to put you into the stratosphere and you're going to have a podcast podcast and a YouTube channel and you're going to be the next Joe Rogan or something that just doesn't happen. And I think that, you know, if you want to try and reverse engineer this thing, which we, we, we've talked about this podcast quite a bit, even the previous episode with RJ, it, it's funny because this, this tweet actually blew up on the day after RJ and I's conversation about Twitter, where it was like, there's nothing wrong with just trying things. You know, why don't you just test it? If you have an idea, if you have a thought, you think it's funny or you think it's poignant, whatever it is, put it out there because if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's not really the end of the world. As long as you're not hurting anybody or being offensive or whatnot, it's okay. So why not just test something and try it? Because, you know, if it does go well, fantastic. And if it doesn't, you didn't really lose anything. Maybe a little bit of time in your afternoon or or spare time that you were doing probably nothing anyways. So just go for it. And this is one of those like prime examples, which is like crazy serendipitous because we had just been talking about it. I guess maybe it was in my mind but honestly i i I'm, and i'm trying to like reverse engineer this thing cuz we say like you know pick apart the engine build it back together cuz you get new parts you get a new thing out of it and so if i got to pick apart the engine on this let's let's do that and so i think the 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 reason why it did so well was a and this probably the number one reason why most things go viral is the relevance and the timeliness of it so that day is when face app really took hold of everybody on the internet and people were doing the aging filters people were doing their profile photos their friends whatever and and i hadn't seen the celebrity. Stuff yet, and I noticed it after I did mine. I was seeing celebrity stuff, and I was even starting to see more YouTubers start doing it too. But I think it was just one of those things where I was like, "Hey, this thing's popping off right now." And what's the niche that I sort of exist in? It's this online filmmaking YouTube world. Like the YouTubers that I even chose are all in the same niche that I, I enjoy and I even operate in and create in. It's not like I went off and did Jake Paul or you know David Dobrik or anybody, right? I went after the people that I find interesting and I look up to and I'm inspired by, um, and. So that was like, I was in my niche of people that, you know, that pro- probably follow me for the very same reasons they follow Peter and, and Marquez and whatnot, not to put myself in that same, that same category, but I think we talk about similar things. So it makes sense. So I think that was the f- the first thing was the timely and the relevance of it, relevancy of it. The second thing was just tapping into the right niche. And I think because I had a voice within this, this Community, it helped the initial push of it. So all my followers were like, "Oh yeah, that's so funny," because you know we all watch these people too. And so that gave it an initial inertia that was just pushing it, pushing it. And then it was only a matter of time for Peter, Marquez, Sarah, and Casey to all reply. And then once they were all on the thread, that's when things go into the stratosphere. And that is also when YouTube retweeted it, like the actual YouTube account retweeted it. And then you know from there, it's just you know the rest is kind of history, as they say. And so you know if you wanted to do something like this, all I can say is it's like the the episode, I can't remember what number it is, but we, the ride the hype train episode when I talked about making stuff for the Raptors during the playoffs, like, you know, this was one of those things where the only reason it really worked, like I said, the relevancy of it being popular at the time, right? So you just got to keep your eyes peeled for all these things that are happening because there's always a way to jump into it and it's not always going to work. And, you know, odds are, you know, I may never have another tweet like this or maybe I will, but I'll keep trying. And the intention is not to go viral. The intention is just to tap into the conversation and going viral and getting all this exposure is just a positive outcome of something that I find inherently fun. I just find this stuff funny and interesting and cool to me. And I think that that's why it works because I'm not putting too much effort into it. I'm not overthinking it too much. And I think when you try to go viral and you're overthinking it, it just doesn't work. You can try to make a viral video. You can try to make a viral tweet, but more often than not, that one that you're trying to do is not the one that's going to do it. It's the one where you're like, oh, this could be funny. Oh, the, or you're the one you didn't even think about it of even having potentially just like, you just said something that you thought was interesting. And all of a sudden, you know, you have 100,000 retweets or 20,000 and whatever. It's the one you're not overthinking, but you just have enough strategy behind it that it could possibly be something. So I'm not saying don't think about it. Don't think that maybe this could go viral. Like that's not the way to go about it because you wouldn't seize opportunities. The idea is that if you see an opportunity, seize it because there's potential for it to do it, but don't make it the end goal. Just try and make it something that you think is fun and it's interesting, at least at the bare minimum to you. And it's tapping into whatever the conversation is around a certain topic that's happening. It's much like how comedians work, you know, they're always looking for relevant pop culture stuff that's happening. It's why when Trump became president, every single stand-up comedian says like, "Well, you know, Trump is president now." And because everyone was thinking about it, our minds are already there. You're not stretching people into a world they don't exist that they don't understand. They're they're living people like when you're living in what you're talking about. And so that's why I think tweets like this always do so well and why videos that go viral are just mo- mainly commentary, social commentary on what's what's happening in the world. And, you know, if that's what I do on Twitter, if I'm like a Jerry Seinfeld kind of vibe of just situational kind of things that are happening and commenting on, on the world and whatnot, like I'm okay with that. So the other question I get is like, how do you activate this newfound... Uh, audience, I guess, this fame or whatever the hell you want to call it. And, you know, I had people DM me saying, you should push your YouTube or push whatever, like put a link up there. You know, the joke is always put your SoundCloud up. And I have SoundCloud. I have music. I have all this stuff. I have a YouTube I have a lot of things I could plug. It was right in the middle of even the music bed challenge. I could have easily just put my music bed video and probably nailed people's choice just from, from this tweet, but that it felt cheap. Like it felt like I don't know like I, it was like first first I was looking at like oh wow this is crazy it's going up like maybe I can like activate these people into my YouTube channel and like maybe gain some subscribers and whatnot and I was like yeah but do I want to be the guy that like got subs because one of my jokes blew up on Twitter like it didn't feel like a good story it didn't feel like something I would be proud of down the line I don't like those like one shout out things where it's like oh all of a sudden he just kind of blew up overnight that's crazy that doesn't seem interesting to me and I, I know I wouldn't be happy with the outcome even though it would be cool it would be like, oh, I, I would want even more than I always want more with whatever I'm doing. I would just be like, oh, I didn't really get here on my own. I didn't get here doing what I want to be doing and the way I want to do it. And I also didn't think the audience would have been qualified. I don't think it was the right people. Like if you came to my Twitter and you like, you think that I'm funny or or it's jokes, that's not necessarily everything that I do on YouTube. So I don't feel like the audience is exactly the same. And so it just felt weird. And I was looking at, it. I was like, nah, you know what? I'm just going to like, be nice about it. Um, And I was just basically like, you know, be nice to people and don't take time for granted. That was my plug after the viral tweet because you know what? At the end of the day, these platforms are crazy. The fact that we can talk to 20,000 people or 1.7 million people can see something. So you might as well say something pleasant, Um, especially off something so silly as just aging YouTubers, right? Um, And it just felt cheap and cheesy for me to try and push something else like, oh, come subscribe to me on YouTube now because you thought this tweet was funny. It just seemed irrelevant. It didn't really make sense and so i would rather you know crawl up from the grave of trying to grow my youtube channel rather than be given some sort of handout because i was lucky with a tweet you know what's even more funny about all of this is cuz i used to hate twitter like it was something that i used in college because i went to ad school and at the time our our department head was like really into Twitter. He had like 15,000 followers, like early in the day when it wasn't even that huge. And so he really like pushed on us that like, how important it was to network and you know, you're at conferences and whatnot, you're at marketing speeches and whatever, and you're asking questions and you're tweeting out the quotes of people talking and whatnot at conferences. And it was, it was a really nice way to network and like meet people within the industry. And you know, I've, I have friends on Twitter from way back then still. um, And I've made new friends on Twitter now, but it got to the point where it felt like Twitter was just for work for me. It became like a LinkedIn kind of thing for a while. And then I just completely fell away from it. I was like, I'm not interested in anymore. Especially when I started to get out of the advertising agency world. I was like, fuck this. Like Everyone's just spewing the same bullshit. I don't want anything to do with this. And what happened in the last year or so, and I think actually this is the crazy thing. Because I got rid of Facebook, I was like looking for an outlet to say all the things that I was saying on Facebook because I was like really big into status updates on Facebook and they would always do really, really well. And I was like, where the hell am I going to say this stuff now? Like all these things I had to say because I couldn't fucking stand all the shit that I was seeing on Facebook that it wasn't worth saying stuff there. And so I think naturally I just gravitated towards Twitter and it became my new outlet for saying a lot of the things that I had already been saying on Facebook. And it seems like it's translating pretty well on this platform too. But the thing that I found with Twitter more than I found with what what bothered me with Facebook is like on Twitter, I can filter out noise a lot easier actually um, in terms of algorithms. And I hate saying that word too viral algorithms, fuck both those worlds words. But um, I find that like Twitter is actually showing me the shit that I'm interested in and, and from the people that I want to be hearing from, whether it's chronological or not, it's just showing me the things that I like to see. And I, th- I find interesting. So I, I find the whole experience a lot more holistically enjoyable. And so now like Twitter is my favorite social platform. Like I joked the other day that all the engagement I've been losing on Instagram, I'm starting to gain on Twitter. So it's, it's kind of evening itself out. I'm even experimenting now, which is doing my tech review kind of stuff specifically only on Twitter. Um, right now I'm actually giving away a rhino shield, uh, case for the Apple watch. And I just did a quick video specifically. Like I, when I started shooting, I'm like, this is only going on Twitter. It's not going on my YouTube channel. Um, and that's just more of a little experiment of like, how can I activate this audience here, um, in tandem with Instagram and my YouTube and whatnot. But I, I really used to not like Twitter. And now I, I feel like it's such a part of who I am and my online, especially my online presence that it's, it's crazy that even something like this happened in the last little while, because like it was, it feels like only maybe six months to a year ago that I was like, fuck Twitter. I never want to use this thing again. And now all of a sudden it's like most, one of the most integral parts of my, my freelance career and my professional career, or whatever you want to call it. Um, even just my persona online, it's just, this is who I am. I'm someone that tweets a lot. Uh, and I've have fun doing it and Hopefully you guys have fun following it as well. And so to wrap it up, if there's anything to learn from here, and I don't know how anything has ever been able to learn from these episodes, but uh it, it's it's kind of similar to the ride the hype train episode. It's just like you know tap into shit that's going off because at the end of the day it's just it really is no skin off your ass if it doesn't go well. I just have fun doing this stuff, and if you don't have fun making memes and you know doing pictures like this and whatnot or whatever, or tweeting jokes, that's fine you don't have to do this at all, but if you want to there's a really great outlet now to do it. And that's Twitter. It's just a really great way to be fun and have fun and joke around and do silly things and whatnot. And if it doesn't, the thing is like really, if it doesn't do well, it's just no skin off your ass. It's not the end of the world. Just be nice. You know, don't be offensive and don't, don't say shit you're not supposed to say. And don't say shit that probably should be kept inside. Um, just be a good person. And I think that you can see a lot of great benefits. I think, uh, like for me, like maybe what I'd like to do with Twitter now more, more often is like the, the idea of like, when I did this run, no shield review on here and whatnot. It's like, now that I'm gl- growing this audience, like I, it has to have some purpose beyond just me spewing silly things. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Actually, I was talking to RJ in the last episode. I'm like, if all I do is just make people smile once a day with a tweet, I mean, job, job done. That's it but I'm thinking bigger cause I'm always trying to do whatever the bigger thing is and make my life more complicated. But I'm thinking like, Hey, can I grow this as big as I want it to grow it? And like, it's another way for me to get the work that I want to be doing out there. And it's another way for me to activate an audience to, to be on my side and be with me and, and grow together and help people and everything. And I think that's, ultimately overarching all of this is that i just don't want viral tweets i want everybody growing up and having fun together and we do this crazy thing called social media or the fuck and so that's the lesson for today i hope you enjoyed this episode of top comment podcast i'm patrick tomasso and you'll hear me next time i feel like talking cheers A lot of people are talking about having a hard time finding music for their videos, their podcasts, whatever. I see tweets all the time from people being like, oh my God, I spent like five hours trying to find a track. Then I thought I found the track and then I put the track in and the track sucked and now I'm starting all over again. It sucks. I know I've been there, especially with client work because clients are very, very picky and difficult to work with when it comes to music and most edits, if not all edits, revolve around having the right track. Fear not, because the friends that I have, or sorry, my friends, or our friends, the folks at Music Bed have people that will help you find the music for what you're looking for. So if you have a track in mind or a sound alike or something that already exists and you're like, you know, I'm looking for something that's kind of like this, but it sounds like that and it has this and it doesn't have that. There's people at Musicbed that will help you find this. And if you click the link in the show notes of this episode, you can sign up for Musicbed. And if you do that, I get a little bit of money that helps me make this stuff. And really, ultimately, as you guys know, I only talk about things that I think are actually worthwhile for you. I'm not going to bring a sponsor on that I don't think is interesting interesting or cool and it's not something that I use and so I use musicbed for this podcast I use them for YouTube I use them for client work here and there and so I think that they are the best online stock music source and the best part is they have a whole team that will help you find the track so you're not sitting there wasting time looking for music and you're spending more time creating so click the link in the show notes and I look forward to hearing and seeing the projects that you make with musicbed we got another film fest coming around the corner too filmic pro is getting on the smartphone mobile filmmaking festival bandwagon if you want to call it that and Thankfully, and in perfect timing, Blake Calhoun of filmmakers you guys know he's a friend of mine from online, he's been on the podcast as well, has a full detailed course on how to use Filmic Pro. I've been diving into it, it's fantastic. I'll definitely be doing that Filmic Pro contest, like I'm gonna definitely submit something. And I know that using the app is integral to making short films and most content with your phone. And so if you're having trouble understanding the app, it's a, it can be an actually a quite complicated app. I still don't know all the ins and notes of it and I'm learning that as I go with uh, Blake's course. But if you click the link in the show notes, you can get 10% off that course. It's honestly invaluable. Whether you are submitting to the Filmic Pro Film Festival or not, you just want to start making stuff with your phone. If you don't want to buy a new camera, I would recommend buying Filmic Pro and this course. It's probably just as good, if not even better, because you're going to learn how to use the camera more than just having a camera that technically has better image quality or whatever. I think it's a really great way to start shooting more and better productions. So check out the link in the I get a little bit of affiliate money from that as well. But like I said, I'm only pushing stuff to you guys that I actually use and find interesting and I hope that it finds benefit and I hope that it adds benefit to you as well. Anyways, that's it for the sponsors. I gotta go take a big shit now. (laughs) Holy fuck, I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. Uh. Bye.